0: So we flew out to Austin, Texas in 2019, and Brian Keane and us are are at a party with uh, Carlton Mellick III, who, if there's only kind of two people in the world that I will actually get starstruck by, it's A, Brian and B, Carlton. So he calls me over, he's like, hey, have you ever met uh, your, you know, second biggest literary hero here, Carlton Mellick? And I'm like, no, sir. Um, and he's like, yeah, so pitch us your clickers pitch right now. And this is a, a after party at a convention. So I'm already soused and I'm like, okay, you guys are going to love this story. And to this day, I think it's a pretty good pitch. It just may not have <laughs> gone over well. <laughs> so I'm like, here's the pitch. It's fear and loathing and clickers. So you have these characters and they're getting chased by these giant crab monsters. So they hop in their, you know, 1960s muscle car and they start driving, 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 and they pass through like a magical portal. And then they look around and they're like, what's that? Oh, it's like a bunch of caveman guys. And then they go running, 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 uh, you know, driving away from the caveman guys, and you realize they've they've passed into primitive world. And then they they drive along and they find another portal, and then you realize they've passed into survivor world. And I'm and I'm telling this story and I'm getting really really excited and I'm watching and their faces are just going lower and lower <laughs> and lower and then meanwhile, Wiley stepped in.
1: Me, meanwhile, I'm behind like Brian glances over to me and I'm behind him behind Cause going. <laughs> I was like, no, this is not what we're doing. Don't listen to this. And so at the very. End, at the very end of clickers highway to shell the <laughs> the uh brian Tony's like okay um wiley what, what what's your pitch for the series i was like clickers versus mecca clickers <laughs> he was like both of you leave right now <laughs>
2: Everybody and welcome to another episode of Horror Business. Today we are joined by Stephen Kazanowski and Wiley Young, and we're going to be talking to them about co-authoring. They've done a couple uh, collaborations together, and we're going to learn all about like how it happened, the appeal of doing this, and how, And they're going to help out other authors who are interested in how they can get started in this as well. So just starting out that kind of leads us to the first question. How did you two get together?
0: Well, for our first collaboration, it it kind of started with me. Um, I had this idea. I wanted to do a haunted house story and uh, I didn't want to do, you know, just another spooky, oh, here's what's scary. Everybody goes in the house. I'm like, I know that's been done before. And, uh, you know, we've all seen the spooky scary house that people go into and they get freaked out and you know 13 ghosts and haunting of hill house and this and everything um and i really wanted to do something different and i was actually workshopping it at, at a convention one time and i was like i can't think of anything different to do with a haunted house and they said well why don't you make it a world where haunting is just accepted and then have the house that's not haunted And then have a mystery surrounding that so i was tossing this idea around for a while i was like this this is a really good idea i don't think anyone's ever come at the haunted house not haunted house story from the exact opposite perspective before but i had this problem which was that um if you do a haunted house story with the jump scares and oh that was just the cat and you know that kind of thing i'm like it shouldn't be scary to the people in that world if they're so used to ghosts and i'm like so i have this kind of i'm like i can do that and then theoretically scare the reader but then it's like a cop out because nobody in the world should be scared of of uh, nobody in a world full of ghosts should be scared of ghosts Mm -hmm. and then i said uh the other way you could do it is you can make it some kind of deep existential horror about the meaning of life but I couldn't figure out how to make that work. And then that's where Wiley Young came in. Yep.
1: So, uh, Cause was actually throwing me a bachelor party. This is a month before I got married. So I was up visiting him. and had all our writer friends out there having a party. And after everybody went home, we were all, we were just sitting around, you know, talking shop. Uh, and we were sitting out there and he was giving me all this that he just talked about. He's like, I don't know how to make it work. And I was like, okay, well, why don't you do this? Which is the crux of the mystery. And they're like, okay, we could run with that. I'm like, hey, it sounds excellent. You know, why I wish I could co-write with that with you. Let me know how it goes. And he was like, Do you want to? And so then we just went from there.
2: Oh, cool. So that's um, that's interesting hearing about that because a lot of these collaborations don't don't seem to be necessarily with people who are like good friends. You know this just seems to be a different way of approaching it like it's just it's it's just an interesting way of of mixing it you know like it's like starting a band with your friends <laughs> is that,
3: yeah that's you know? what i was gonna say You're on a bachelor party did you guys <laughs> you obviously knew each other before did you live together or meet at a what well, i mean live in the same state meet in a convention how did the, the friendship begin
1: this was uh two years after we met at yeah it was 2018 so the, we had met two years before at uh, World Horror in Provo, Utah in 2016. And so we just kind of, you know, became friends there. And over the next year, just were at a few conventions together. Uh, this is before I even had a book published at that point. I don't know how many of you had five, five or six. Uh,
0: yeah, yeah, five or six. And yeah, so but you I, didn't even have uh, Catfish out yet?
1: Catfish didn't come out until 2018. Like, okay. literally the week before I came to visit you is when I when it came out. Okay. I'd, only, I'd only ever had those uh, short stories at that point. So, uh, so, yeah, and so we just, you know, became friends and go into these uh, convention, conventions together.
0: Now, see, I remember one of the things you told me. So what we're talking about is Catfish in the Cradle, which was Wiley Young's first big uh, smash success. And I remember one of the things you telling me was you didn't want to be uh, pigeonholed as this like Southern gothic because Catfish in the Cradle, if you can't tell just from the title, is like, where is it? Tex- the Texas-Alabama border or some- or Texas-Louisiana border and yeah, it's like it. this, in the bayou. And and you told me, I want to do something that's more like Northern, urban, that kind of thing, because I don't want to be pigeonholed that way.
1: Right. And that's so. That's where we got to talking about that. And he had read, I think you had read Catfish at that point, but I'm not sure, uh, sure if you did or not. The, but so after that we were, like I said, we were just ta- talking about it, and, and it just kind of took off from that point. We got really, really, really excited. I think we plotted out the whole book <laughs> that night for the most part.
2: So this is cool. This is also. This sounds very much very organic, like. That this this just was you know something that just that just happened yeah. and like you guys weren't looking were you guys looking to collaborate had you ever like considered co-authoring books before with either not so not you together but with any other authors either
0: i i had done one i did slash fiber with stevie Copus, uh which came out and i want to say 2017. So that was not my first collaboration, but I, you know, in a way, I guess that was what made me open to it was that I knew I had done it before. Um, but I don't know about your perspective, Wiley. Had you ever? And I, and I know since then you've you you did a collaboration with your wife, right? Yep. Um, June. W- was that a similar feeling to you? Like, oh, okay, I already did this. This was Kazunewski, so I know I can do it, or. Sort of. That that was two completely separate experiences. <laughs> huh. Well, how many have you guys
3: done together then? So you had this first one, this uh, interesting flip on the ghost world, and then it went really well. You obviously liked it. Um, How many more did you do after that then
1: together? We've done one more together so far. Okay.
0: And um, we've been talking about editing an anthology too. Yes. Uh, that's kind of got a... A little bit of a monetary component to it right. that we have to work out. but
3: Well, how does so? it sounds like the brainstorming process all happened that night? You guys are throwing them back and forth. Uh, I guess the logistics of it are always very fascinating to me because I'm curious when authors get it, did you break up as in like, well, I'm going to write this particular scene because I'm great at these kind of scenes or I want a chapter and then you do the next chapter. What did the process of the going back and forth, what did it look like?
0: So, um, I I think, you know, Wiley was pretty uh, straightforward about this before, you know, I was kind of the senior partner in this, um, arrangement such as it is, you know, like I, like I have any great success to brag about, but, um, like I said, at this point, I had maybe five or six books out. He had just the one. So I said, here's what we're going to do. We're going to have two viewpoint characters. One's gonna be like me. It's gonna be the sister. She's gonna be a little older, a little more dyspeptic, a little more um, you know, wrapped around the axle, um, and and uh, you know, intense in her writing. And then you're gonna take the younger brother, well, I say younger, but one of the tri- one of the fun things about this story is they're they're actually twins, but her brother died about fifteen years ago. So now, in like conceptually their maturity levels are very different so i said you take the immature younger brother and then if there's any immaturity in the prose it will look like that was part of the plan that makes sense yeah
2: so so that was it it like alternating chapters like alternating viewpoints every every chapter okay cool
1: and it really, it really worked out that way, way too because at that time in my life and still some days to this expe- extent the Kyle he was a little bit more fly by night you know on the road doesn't really think things through, through kind of thing living by the the seat of your pants which is which my wife can tell tell you is a time cherished habit that I continue to this day.
3: Hmm. <laughs> okay, so you did perspectives on that one. Um, Steven, when you were with the other author, I'm sorry, I forgot the name, but when you worked with um, the other authors for collaborations, was it similar where you did perspectives or did you split that up something different because you had a different dynamic with this other author?
0: Um, I was actually shocked and and I'm glad you asked that question because we want to be clear to the audience that just because something worked for us doesn't even mean that that's the way it has to work for us in in different collaboration sessions. I was a little shocked I that her name was Stevie Copas. Um, she's most famous for writing the breadwinner uh, zombie stories. And I had read her and I thought she was an excellent, excellent writer. Um, but I was shocked at just how seamless our prose was. So she seemed to often know like where I was going with a, a chapter or with an idea. And um, after we had bounced the badminton back and forth a couple times, um i realized i could just stop in like the middle of a chapter and be like listen i don't even know where i'm going with this just take it over and she would take it and it it was fairly seamless i thought
2: so how did you how did that partnership come about uh
0: so yeah that's a funny story we were we were just chatting and you know as authors often do we were chatting about what is your next um big idea And so I had been, I had a contract with uh, Sinister Grin Press at the time for four novels. And one of them, I had pitched them as the running man, but with 80s slashers. So you get shot into this gaming arena and there's a bunch of, uh, you know, there's like a Hannibal Lecter type and there's a Jason type and a Freddy type and so on and so forth that are trying to kill you. And, uh... I'm, I gave this idea to to Stevie, and she's like, "That is crazy." I had the exact same idea, um, except that I wanted it to be set in the '80s, with a nuclear holocaust being like the um, the crux of of why we were arrested in this position of having slashers and and you know Mad Max style arenas. And I was like, uh, so at the time, she was like wary of you know dealing with small presses and stuff and i was getting wary about not having much of an audience and i said hey you've got a big audience you can deliver the reviews and the reads and i've got a contract and i can deliver that to you so we were just like oh you got your peanut butter my chocolate Mm -hmm. and it just was like karma or something
3: was it the same um did you plot it out in the beginning before know where it was going and then when you said you turned it over to her it was just like little parts little scenes where you got um Uh, maybe stuck on or did the story i guess i'm just curious did it ever just flow and you both didn't know where it was going and something magical happened
0: Uh, um i think the key and i'll try and stop talking in a minute here so uh wiley can weigh in too but um i've always thought the key to that was to have a bible but not to be afraid to go off book Mm -hmm. so um and this happened with both stevie and i and with wiley and i we worked out what we thought things were going to be chapter and verse uh where everything was going to go but then sometimes i would just have a departure like in slash viver i was like oh i want to do just a flashback scene with the hannibal elector guy i just got like way 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 into it and that had never been planned out before and i think it was similar um definitely with clickers uh perfectly fine house i think we followed the bible pretty closely but what was what was your uh, thoughts on that, Wiley?
1: For clickers or for perfectly fine house, or Either both? Either
0: way, or for the new one.
1: Yeah, so for uh, for perfectly fine house, uh, we we stuck to it pretty well. There was some there were some parts that in, improv happened, and then there were some parts like, you know, Cause told me, "Hey, man, we we really don't need this particular section. We can." get rid of that and i I did the same in return and for clickers man that just was a that was just a madhouse that we did we had like an overall view of kind of how we wanted that to go and then just went insane basically is like we never talked about about this yeah well it's in there now so (laughs) we're just going for it That's, well, I'm that's
3: curious. I ask real quick. I uh, just before Lisa goes to the next question, sure. how did the clickers come about? And like, I'm just super curious because, it is I maybe it's more of a personal connection for me. I had worked with JF Gonzalez in um DOA 2, and we started to get to know each other. But it was all still very fresh. And he had talked to me about something down the road. And then, of course, we know what happened. He got ill. And I'm just curious how Clickers came back around and you guys decided to do that um, before we move forward, if, if you're able to talk about it.
1: So there was, there was no de- decision on our part. It was mainly, you two will be doing this. Okay. So Brian approached us and said there was still interest in the in the franchise and that he wanted to put out new novels, new writing teams for each novel. And he's like, he wanted us to, you know, bleed it off and so we were like oh great time to you know really drive this into the ground before we (laughs) uh,
0: we, but it it was was the
3: first collaboration that sold brian keen on it then
0: i i've often thought so yeah okay um because he's told he's told me he thought the perfectly fine house was really good um so i think we were you know and that's an interesting thing about collaborations is you know i think we were there ready set you know when he was looking for writing teams, he was like, "Oh, wait! You guys just did one. Um, you guys are up. You, you two just did
1: one. You're both uh, fans of the franchise. You know, I know you can write well, so you know, y'all are a pretty safe bet starting off."
0: <laughs> so should I should I talk about the pitch, or are, are we not recounting that story? Oh, I love that story. I was about to go into it. Please. For the listeners that don't know. Um, what I see was just talking about, uh, Jeff Gonzalez passed away, what was it, 2014, I want to say, or 2013?
3: It uh, could have been 2014, that sounds about right, because I think I was working with him in 2012, I think.
0: Okay, so his um, IP, his his whole literary estate went to Brian Keene, and uh, Brian was definitely interested in you know taking care of Jeff's family uh, and that kind of thing and, and redoing some of his work um so it's come out now that his plan was reboot primitives reboot uh survivor reboot uh, not reboot necessarily but you know sequels and and like get these ips kind of rolling again yeah um so i didn't realize when he came to me and said uh pitch me a clicker story that this was that all i was worried about was clickers and i felt very like Oh my God, I've got to honor the whole legacy of JF Gonzalez. So I was writing it down and I was like, what's my pitch? What's my pitch? What's my pitch for the clickers reboot? And uh, then I came up with something that I thought was going to be really good. So it was going to be fear and loathing and clickers. <laughs> and so we went out to, it was right before the pandemic, was it 2019 KillerCon? 2019 KillerCon, yep. Okay. So we flew out to Austin, Texas in 2019 and Brian Keane and us are, are at a party with uh, Carlton Mellick III, who if there's only kind of two people in the world that I will actually get starstruck by, it's A, Brian and B, Carlton. So he calls me over, he's like, hey, have you ever met uh, your you know second biggest literary hero here, Carlton Mellick? And I'm like, no, sir. Um, And he's like, yeah, so pitch us your clickers pitch right now. And this is a a after party at a convention. So I'm already soused. And I'm like, okay, you guys are going to love this story. And to this day, I think it's a pretty good pitch. It just may not have gone (laughs) over well. (laughs) So I'm like, here's the pitch. It's fear and loathing and clickers. So you have these characters and... They're getting chased by these giant crab monsters, so they hop in their you know 1960s muscle car and they start driving, 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 and they pass through like a magical portal. And then they look around and they're like, "What's that?" Oh, it's like a bunch of caveman guys. And then they go running, 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 uh, you know, driving away from the caveman guys. And you realize they've they've passed into primitive world. And then they they drive along and they find another portal. And then you realize they've passed into survivor world. And I'm, and I'm telling this story, and I'm getting really, really excited. And I'm watching, and their faces are just going lower and lower <laughs> and lower. And then meanwhile, Wiley stepped in.
1: Me, meanwhile, I'm behind, like, Brian glances over to me, and I'm behind him, behind Kaz going... <laughs> <laughs> I was like, no, this is not what we're doing. Don't listen to this. And so at the very <laughs> evening, at the very end of clickers highway to shell the <laughs> the uh brian was like okay um wiley what, what what's your pitch for the series i was like clickers versus mecca clickers <laughs> he was like both of you leave right now <laughs> and so late, later that night um we were uh, we're talking to christine morgan and she showed up and She told Brian, hey, I heard you were rebooting the Clickers uh, series. And he's like, oh, yeah, it's going to be new writing teams, new stories. And my only mistake so far was trusting these two idiots. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it's fantastic. Love it to this day. Well,
3: now I'm like, how did you solve this? I'm sorry. This is like the drunk date went wrong. Don't leave me on that note. How did you get it back then? How did you get out of the highway to Shell? Uh.
0: did you uh, did you tell them that night uh, we'll just do something with World War Two, or was it later?
1: <laughs> that was the next day.
0: The, oh, okay.
1: The next day, Brian was like, "Do you have anything serious?" I was like, "After a, <laughs> after um, a night of sleeping on this, we have decided." <laughs> I gave him two separate ones, two separate serious pitches, and I said, "One of these would be a little bit more up my neck of the woods, but I think World War Two would really hit." uh me and cause being able to do this well so that's what we ended up doing oh
0: wasn't the other one like the appalachian trail got flooded and all these clickers came out of the lakes or something
1: no it was uh, in arkansas because i I'd go on a canoe trip there every year with my dad and they have these really isolated river systems and i was like you know Colts making moonshine out of clicker venom and you know clickers crawling out of these giant crawdad towers that kind of thing which is all real southern gothic and whatnot but but i didn't feel like that was a true team up as much as it was just me being like that sounds fun
0: yeah you can do that one with ron kelly or somebody (laughs) oh there you go i'm only doing number
3: one don't be drunk and pitch sorry what were you saying wiley
1: I said, cause knows I'll only do, I would never cheat on you with the clickers novel. Oh, okay. <laughs> so
2: how did you guys do that one? How, what was the writing process there?
0: That one was a little different. Um, that one was much more character. We, we had a much larger cast. Um, so with the ghost one, you're kind of okay having two main characters because they're probably not going to die anytime soon, but with a clickers novel, you got to have lots of blood and guts. So we said um, we wanted to have a framing story. This was my big contribution. I was like, it's going to have the Titanic, you know, the James Cameron going down and finding the the clickers, the history of the clickers. So I wanted to have this oceanographer and the and the framing story. And then we said, we have to have Japanese characters. We have to have American Marine Corps characters. um, And then we also wanted to have a castaway who befriends a clicker and have a whole, a boy in his clicker um, uh, scenario. So we largely broke it up along character lines. And then the story wasn't so much staccato, like Mm ABABABABAB. It was kind of like A, B, C, D, E, then back to B, then then kind of a little bit all over the place just for how good it was structured. So I think um, you took all of the American Marine Corps guys and then I kind of took the, a lot of the sundry and then around about the halfway point, I was like, okay, well, that's the end of the book. And you were like, no, no, hold my beer. <laughs> yeah. I I, I
1: I really took this a lot, lot longer than it probably should have gone, but man, we we were just having so much fun. <laughs> so uh, about halfway through, Kaz wraps up his framing story and the sundry parts, and then I fill in between those uh, the Jap- our Japanese characters, our uh, framing story, our castaway story. I fill in with the this uh, marine the marine expedition on Guadalcanal. You know, going and see search and destroy and that kind of, that kind of thing, and it really, really lengthened that novel out. Yeah.
0: The
1: because each each character has to have a death scene, so you know we have to, and we have to have emotional payoff for that, obviously, because I I can't you know I'm like we barely know this person, how's that supposed to have emotional impact? We've followed these guys,
0: so a lot yeah. of. Re- lot of reruns of watching the pacific yeah now i made my money back because i'm the vet so i did go through and i and there were a couple times where i'd be like huh i see why you did this but also no marine would ever say this or do this (laughs) so Uh, i i did make a i did make my money back a little bit on the editing process i think
1: yeah well nobody does editing work like you so (laughs) No, he does. He does. Cos really, really strengthens a character. Nobody writes characters like him. They're very. There's no cardboard cutouts. They're all very real people.
2: After After that, um, when did that come out? What What year was that? Was that 2020
0: then? Uh, Clickers was this year.
2: Oh, this year. Oh,
0: okay, Mm -hmm. cool. Although perfectly fine house was, yeah, perfectly fine house came out on March 16th, 2020. And if that name, if that date sounds familiar to anybody. That was our little uh, pandemic baby. Uh, yeah.
2: So what happened? Can you, like, I'm just curious at this point. It's kind of off topic, but, like, what happened? Was that, did did, did they get lost in, like, the, the craziness? Or did people gravitate to it because what else are they going to do?
0: Um, we have heard, you say this more than me because I don't entirely believe you, but I have heard of the few people that have read it, some people consider it the greatest haunted house story ever written. So I'm going to go with that and say that it, that it's that, it just didn't find its audience um, because of the pandemic.
1: Yeah. I told you this as soon as it came out. I say this all the time. I said this is going to have two exact reactions to it. People are either going to love it beyond all measure of of loving something or they're going to hate it beyond all measure of
0: hating something i've definitely seen the hate i've definitely seen the hate one (laughs) it's i've seen oh it's it's insta love i'm like it's insta love why because two characters fell in love Uh, and oh i didn't really understand what they were going for there's been a lot of that
1: but i will say this they are not hating it for the reason i thought they would so far
3: interesting well then you viewers can check it out and they should uh direct either hate mail or love mail to you guys <laughs> and we'll put your contact I, information below so they
1: can i think they hate it because it reminds them of the inevitability of the black void that will come for us all oh, yeah
3: see we just talked about that in our last episode you gotta be okay with death you're all gonna die i know that for certain yep all right well and maybe it'll be on a Ferris wheel, burning to death, right? With you and your loved one. That's, that was—that's what happened on our last episode. We chatted about because that is the best way to die if you can—if you can pull it off.
0: Um, <laughs> burning?
3: Well, it was—it was a Ferris wheel that you were on with your wife or girlfriend, or I guess I'll just say significant other. And it goes up in flames, and yeah, yeah. So I guess you would burn to death, or maybe it falls off and you were instantly
0: crushed.
2: It was—it so, was Valentine's Day too. I thought
0: thought the best way to die was quietly in your sleep or quietly in the tub.
2: Well, Uh, no, because the rationale was that if you die, if that happens, but what, like, then it's going to be miserable for your significant other. So the idea was, Uh, like, if you could both somehow (laughs) die in your sleep together, but it seemed more likely to have some sort of... You know, freak accident Mm -hmm. on a Ferris wheel.
0: So the first scene of Midsummer was actually a very romantic scene. (laughs)
3: That that should be our new question. Like as we exit out, you know how like they used to have those like five questions or whatever. The last thing should be, how would you want to go? But you're right. (laughs) If I didn't give that backstory about the love and the person you leave behind, my story really didn't make sense at all. So thank you, Lucy. (laughs) Uh, Maybe we'll start doing that at the end of these.
2: What was the next question I was supposed to ask about? <laughs> the next, well, the question was basically that we also said was, um, you know, what oh. what was the what was the best part of collaborating?
1: Yeah, working with that dirty low life. <laughs> I'm just I don't know. The best part about it for me is, uh, it's really the melding of ideas and styles. You know, you can really learn a lot from from especially. If you're, you're the other person, you have things about your own writing that you wish you could do. And this is a perfect chance to learn how how that works and how it happens. So it's the for me, the best part is that meshing of two different styles into one narrative that might be greater than the sum of its parts.
0: Yeah, um, I hate to agree. I hate to agree, especially with Wiley on anything. But um, I think it was probably, somebody said, I think it was maybe Chuck Ketchum, But there's no point in doing a collaboration if the story's not going to be better than either one of you could have done originally. Mm -hmm. Um, I I think he may have actually just been generally against collaborations, which is fine if you're Jack Ketchum. Um, But yeah, I was the exact same way. I was like, he's taking this places I wouldn't have taken it. I'm interested in seeing the risks he wants to take um i'm happy to reel him back when those risks don't pay off uh but to have somebody you know else experimenting with something that you're working on in real time it's it's really unique
1: what was the what was most difficult i think for me sometimes it actually is you know they they're your friend, they're whoever you're working with, they're your friend, uh, you love them, uh, whatever, but sometimes you have to think of them as your peer and your coworker and really be like, hey man, this is really not working <laughs> on this specific, whatever, and, and and sometimes you have a good collaborator who's like, okay, yeah, I can see that. And sometimes people will fight you tooth and nail on something. I know what chapter you're talking about. You don't have to keep bringing it up. Uh, <laughs>
3: That was a question I almost wanted to ask. You You guys said you had a lot of fun with it. Is there a point where you go, okay, this was a lot of fun, but this doesn't go in the story and uh, that pervert, you have to kill your baby kind of thing. You just got to get rid of the stuff that doesn't fit, even though it was fun. Did you have a lot of moments like that?
1: Oh. Luckily, luckily that happened in the pitching process for me. There was this one called Flickers Highway to Shell.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's, like, that's, that's the way it's going to be. <laughs> No, um, yeah, you definitely do have to do that, um, and part of it is, yeah, like, like Wiley said, uh, you know, it's, this is why it's called collaborator or co-authoring or whatever, it's because you're working together, so you have to have that perspective that, you know, your co-author might not necessarily have, um, and to sort of just go back a little bit and answer Lucy's question, um, and, and this is sort of the, the same question, but the the main thing I hate about collaborating is this intense pressure that I feel. And um, I guess it could be partially just because I'm not like a full-time, you know, I'm not like living off of my writing. Um, so I'm used to, oh, hey, I feel like um, working on that, uh, you know, s- slasher serial killer novel tonight. Or, oh, hey, I wanna work on this, a short story for a, a call tonight. And uh, when you're collaborating, I'm like, okay, Wiley's waiting on me or Stevie's waiting on me. I need to push through, I need to, uh, the words are not coming, but I I have to get them down because they're relying on me and we can't move forward until this is done. So I I feel this kind of pressure that takes some of the joy and fun out of writing. But I also know that when you're like a full-time professional, sometimes it's just like, yeah, I gotta write the you know, Nabisco, theme song or whatever that you've been told to do
2: so for the first the first collaboration um that was already that satisfied a novel and a three-book contract the collaboration that you two did to start with the perfectly good house where how how did that come about with getting published was that part of the was that part of the same um deal
0: no yeah. And I feel like these stories are going to start to run together. Do you want to tell this one about, about me being drunk at a convention? Uh, a different
3: <laughs> convention? Okay. Yeah. It was a
0: different convention, but I was also drunk. <laughs> so, uh, for this, we were,
1: um, we were at Scares That Care. Was this still 2019?
0: It was. Yes. Yeah, it would have had yeah. to have been.
1: This, this was right before Killercon, so uh, this would start a trend for things to come anyway the so we were we were at the after party for scares the Carer that day you know we'd all been slinging our books that kind of thing and we have the after room party and publishers go to that thing and that's where you network and try to sell yourself and we were looking at people who had open calls and who we thought would do the best with it and we decided on a uh, carry with grindhouse press but CB, the problem- CB Hunt yeah cv hunt and the problem with this is that one cv hunt does not really do collaboration (laughs) novels She does not like to publish them and this was not exactly grindhouse fair at least not not in the traditional you know grindhouse movie way and so we approached her and It was at that point. It was kind of. It was just a comedy of errors pitching this to her on both our parts. You know, I'd never. At this point, I I had still. I'd only ever gotten my books published by you know, people saying, "Oh, that guy's got chops," and somebody taking a chance on me. I'd never actually sat and pitched my own book before, and so we somehow we stumbled through this. (laughs) And Carrie, Carrie said, "Okay, that actually, you know." it does sound transgressive with the concept so i want to you know put it out because this could be something really really good so somehow we talked her, uh, sweet talked her into
0: it i have no idea how she did say she said my main thing is i don't want to do collaborations because the bookkeeping is too hard she's like i'm gonna end up sending you each like checks for 88 cents a month you know because it's split and then it's split again and that kind of thing and we were like, no, 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 it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. We're, we're, we're on board with the 88 cents a month checks. You know? <laughs> I like mine in nickels. <laughs> <laughs>
3: um, well, that was good because I, I was very curious about that. If you're pitching it to publishing houses or if anything was self-published. So it's it sounds like, I mean, well, I guess this is important. Conventions sound like a great way, if nothing else, um not just to get drunk and have fun but to also just meet people in the industry because you can just become friends with other authors that way and then you get to chat up publishers and they're more receptive to maybe an informal pitch when you're at places and maybe it percolates and something comes later so that's really helpful too for um, authors who are wanting to move forward with the publication
2: and that. I just have one question about that too. When you're drunk at conventions at these parties, this is not the first time that you've met these people, right? You've already no, had a pre no. relationship with Brian Keene before you drunkenly pitched him a like time traveling book <laughs> that he did but not, not like.
0: <laughs> no, I, say, no, no, really I did not movie. have a relationship with Carlton Millick.
3: You're a luckily. <laughs> <laughs>
0: What did well, we, do? Okay. we played uh werewolf or something with Carrie the year our cV hunt the year before right yeah. yeah yeah we hung out with with uh cV hunt a lot and uh yeah we knew Brian pretty well yeah
3: don't authors new authors don't just run out there and slam a couple shots and think this is my moment to shine which probably won't be I'm almost a hundred percent sure of that for you <laughs> and
1: and caused watching. himself too much crap for it but he actually is the one who really sold that to carry over me because I, I was uh tv I, I really i have this you know ghost book and it's really cool and, <laughs> uh, and cause is like no no anyway so um
3: well okay so there's something i guess i want to ask about um, roles and I don't know if I've spent too long probably in the teaching world I don't know if this also happens in corporate uh, world but you know you get a group of people together and and everyone <sighs> I guess with friends you organically fill your role just because of the way you are Stephen you said you were more of the mentor and um, you were more of like learning at that stage but when you get together with people do you feel the need to say like maybe the role is not the best idea but does someone naturally come out Um, as kind of the lead person in it and one person is more I don't want to say the word follower but kind of takes the lead from somebody else
1: or Uh, I think that's going to be different for every collaboration honestly because some sometimes like the the first time with a perfectly fine house that just kind of slotted in naturally with cause taking the lead me following and then on clickers never die we we just kind of you know head 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 to head just went for it so I think that's just going to be where wherever you are and how confident you are in your writing at the time. That's going to play out in that, those interactions.
2: For the Clicker's book, because you guys said you you distinctly like capitalized on in a perfectly fine house. You capitalized on your your strengths as writers to write these two different characters and did that A B A B point of view switch. But for Um, for the Clickers book, how did that work when you weren't using that formula necessarily? How did your styles mesh together? How did it make it seem like it was not, how did it make it feel like it wasn't written by two people?
0: Editing. Hard, hard, hard editing. And I think I sat you down, I I think you were at like a family barbecue or something. Yeah. I was like, no, you'll come and do editing at your family barbecue. (laughs) <laughs> for about five hours, and I was like, "Here are the changes I'm going to make, and this is why I'm making them." Um, uh, largely to make and a lot of it was like, "This is to make sure our styles mesh." Um, mm-hmm.
3: and- Would you
2: say your styles are close to uh, in general, or are you like wildly different in terms of how you write?
1: When we started, we were wild. We were wildly different. I think they're closer now than they were before, but they still still are di- still are distinct but they might just be a little distinct because i've been writing things that take place you know a hundred years ago historically speaking but yeah. i'm hoping the character work shows through because I-, I i said i had a five hour in uh, impromptu character building workshop at a family barbecue once <laughs>
3: <laughs> so editing is still what does it editing is so crucial and important um, That step cannot be skipped by anyone. So we've heard a lot of success stories. Um, What happens when collaborating doesn't go well? Do you have, without mentioning names, I don't wanna put anyone on blast, but is there a a situation where you could say, no, it didn't work out? and, And what was maybe the reason that, I guess an author could see it early before they invest too much and respectfully say, you know what, this isn't working out, maybe we should walk away. How does that look like if you've had one of those situations?
0: have you had one like that
1: yeah i'd say those things are a little bit easier because it's not you never even start collaborating because someone might approach you with it and you kind of know if you're familiar with the other person you can kind of nip it in the bud before it starts
3: Yeah,
1: it's like i'm open to the possibility but in your mind you're like no that's never gonna happen (laughs)
3: Um, yeah. Before Stephen answers, can I say when you say it's never going to happen, is it the vibe you got at a convention? You realize their personality just doesn't mesh with you on any level, or is there something else that that stands out about why it?
1: You know that intuition. It's it's one of the it's one of those things like you're if you're familiar with their work, you're like okay we we write two very dissimilar styles of things. I've seen your character work, your things, and it's, it may not be necessarily bad, but it's also not the vibe that I really want to work with kind of thing. And, or sometimes you'll have some, some person you just don't like. uh, (laughs) Okay. Thank you.
0: (laughs) I I have had this happen on occasion and I'll say the nice thing about it, although it's a little bit like uh, being left hanging is that every time I've had a failed collaboration, it's because the collaborator just stopped getting back to me at a certain point. So I think technically I still have like a few, like four or five collaborations that are still like technically outstanding, but I haven't heard back from my collaborator in years in some cases. Wow. So I guess the nice thing is you can just kind of let it drop and not bring it up again. But then the bad thing about that is, oh, well, I've already put a bunch of work into this, so. yeah. I mean, I guess at that point you can either like if you if you were really passionate about it, I guess you could say, "Hey, can I finish that?" Then I mean, then at that point, are you obligated to hand the other person half the money? I don't know. I mean, Hmm. fortunately, I've never. Now that's that's a question for when you guys have. uh, Yeah. Well, again, we're not mentioning names, so there's (laughs) there's certain other famous writing duos that that might be a better question for.
2: What it sounds like from that is is the collaborations are going to be successful for one, when it's someone you can trust. And I would say also someone who has similar goals. Um, if you have someone who, I know what you're saying, like making it, you know, if you, if you have someone who maybe doesn't want to be committed to like deadlines and to the obligations of a partnership or something, and that's just not, that's just not for them. You don't want to find out while you're in the middle of collaborating with that person.
3: Yeah. Yep. Uh, is there, gosh, that just made me think of it. So deadlines, is there any things that you guys, maybe uh, it's off the wall, but a checklist, not necessarily, but things when you start, you go, hey, um, do we have a deadline for this? What are a couple of checklists maybe you go over with that initial person um, to find out if they're going to be a good collaborator uh, with
1: you? I
0: don't I don't think we had a deadline on either of these, did we? Okay. Well,
1: luckily for clickers, most of that was during the pandemic. So, you know, <laughs> those. Was... Yeah and then securing you know it was just an idea it was like you know we'll secure a publisher while y'all are writing this kind of thing and so we never really had any deadlines for anything it was more just a labor of passion at the time
0: okay yeah so i don't think we sat down and well like we said we sat down and we wrote out the bible and and we did a hard hard outline um And like I said, with Perfectly Fine House, we really stuck to it by maybe 90, 85, 90%. And with Clickers Never Die, not nearly so much, maybe 60% or something. We stuck to the outline. So, um, I mean, I think you hit the nail on the head, Lucy, when you're you're like, you know, you need to be upfront about your expectations with your collaborator. Um, And yeah, I would imagine if there's an actual deadline and actual money involved and it's not just being written on spec. It will be a whole other animal. Cause I wouldn't tolerate any of this. Oh yeah, it's been six or seven weeks and you know, that kind of thing. But <laughs> with something like this, I could very easily be like, hey, I'm not feeling good or I'm moving or something. I, I need a couple more weeks, you know.
3: The the project dictates kind of the expectations. And as long as you set it up front uh, well, it's a relationship it really is right you're you're setting up your expectations for this relationship in the beginning, and like you said if it's on spec it's could be totally different than if it's not so okay that answers that Thank you
2: um. The last one that we had on here was really about what you would recommend for authors to do if they're looking to collaborate with someone. And I just want to to preface that question, too, is that it doesn't sound like you guys were ever looking for anyone to collaborate with. It just sounded like you talked about story ideas that you had and then another author came in and kind of solved problems with those stories and that's how the collaboration was born so I am seeing a lot of people in like horror writing groups and things that are actively out there just looking to collaborate with people which seems very with maybe authors they admire it just seems very different than how you guys got started on it. So I guess, I guess first, before we talk about how you think that they should approach other authors is what you think about the level of success that, that something like that projects like that could have compared to these very much organic partnerships.
0: Um, I will say right off the bat, I don't want, I don't want to necessarily ascribe negative um, motivations to, to anyone, certainly not to these, uh, metaphorical people we're talking about um but i think a lot of people think that hooking up with another author is going to be like your rocket to the moon and like oh i'm just gonna you know i'm gonna co-write something with stephen king and then i'm gonna be just as famous as stephen king and i'm like it's just that's just not gonna happen and i know that's an extreme example um but if if that's what if you have I think if you have a negative um, or self-serving uh, intention with your collaboration, uh, it's like what you guys were saying before. Where's the trust? Mm-hmm. Um, so, and I think that's why we've had such, such success, and and Stevie and I have had such such success, is because we go into these things saying, okay, there's not a huge power disparity. Neither of us is the you know. Tom Clancy in the relationship, um, you know, this is going to be as successful as the work we both put into it.
2: So let's say some someone has like, that they're, that they have a book. Like, let's say it was exactly, you know, Steven's situation with, I got this idea for this haunted house book, but this is just, but I'm just stuck. And I can't, can't solve the problem. And it is maybe someone who doesn't have, you know, a network of author friends at this point and they're looking for like i have this great idea there's something wrong i just can't bring this like through i need to it, this would be great to have someone else to bounce ideas off of i think that's a great intention and a great reason for looking to collaborate with someone so let's say it's someone like that let's say it's that scenario how would you recommend that person approach um, authors to collaborate with
1: i'd say never never go into it with the intention of actually co-writing you're there because they they're trying to bounce off ideas with you to solve this problem and if it if it works out well and they're like okay that is, actually is a really killer killer idea would you know do you want you want to do that that, that sounds great i don't want to leave you out because that was your idea kind of thing mm-hmm. so there's two different ways that i've found comes. they either help you realize an idea that you had or else they give you an idea and if they give you an idea, then you know it. That that's when it co- it's more open to being co-written. At least in my opinion.
0: Yeah, um, I'd say the the first thing to do for that person in that situation is to unfuck that not having a network thing. <laughs> um, so I mean, we discussed here. You can have conventions. Uh, that's a great opportunity for meeting people um i've I've never met stevie i've never laid eyes on stevie in person um so it's not like you have to go to conventions and um you know you can just start chatting to people i have i have a number of uh younger authors who come to me for advice uh writing calls title ideas like little stuff um you're right wiley none of them have come to me and been like i want to collaborate with you um but they've definitely come to me and and ask questions i think i'm open i think most people are open um this is very much it's not a formal thing i sometimes joke that it's a formal thing like i i i joke with um kenzie jennings like oh when jeff strand dies you become the new jeff strand and stuff you know and she's like what what how does that work i'm like don't worry about it it's just what happens uh (laughs) like I'm i'm just kind of joking about that kind of thing but this is very much a um apprentice and mentor, uh, you know, kind of relationship that you develop with these other authors. So I'd say get out there, you know, if it has to be on Facebook chat, or I am or Twitter DM or whatever, um, you know, meet these people. And um, yeah, you're, you're never going to work with somebody if they don't like the cut of your jib, if you're not already friends, or at a minimum trusted colleagues, like we discussed before. So yeah, I really don't think you're ever going to, and, and also, you know, read their work, make sure it's somebody that you want to, you know, be in business with and that kind of thing. Um, yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot of ground laying, like we make it sound like, well, I mean, there's a reason I was throwing him a bachelor party, you know? <laughs> um, like we've, we'd we known each other for a few years, we would clicked, we were good friends for a few years. Um, and with with, you know stevie she's one of the most you know trustworthy people i know um and and that sort of thing
3: i think we have to end this in the only way possible um not thinking of your significant others but how do you want to die uh lucy do you agree that we can end the show this way of this uh okay perfect um okay wiley i guess uh you're first uh, and if you need a moment to think about it, you know I can I can cut a little pause in there. So please don't rush your death scene. This
1: is oh important. no, I've had, I've had this plan for years. So oh god. <laughs> so first <laughs> off. You know, it's definitely going to be so, something awesome. Maybe saving orphans from a burning orphanage, as orphanages have a tendency to burn down for some reason. <laughs> and then at my funeral, I want... Uh, whoever gets to give the eulogy is going to fight with those giant inflatable Q-tips they used to have on Amer- American Gladiators. And then this will culminate in my body being shot out of a cannon through a ring of fire into my coffin. It's going We're going to put the fun in funeral. That. <laughs>
3: he has thought about this a lot all right steven that was pretty good um what do you think how are you going out
0: what i'm gonna do is i'm gonna wear a trench coat with a lot of pockets on it and i'm gonna go down to hershey I, i live about half an hour maybe from hershey pennsylvania i'm gonna buy all the candy in the hershey store i'm gonna stuff all my pockets in this trench coat i just like like, you know, when you're a kid and, and you're going in the leaf pile and you're, like, stuffing the leaves and yeah. all your uh, crevices and orifices and every, you're just packed with leaves. And that's what I'm going to do with all the Reese's Peanut Butter Cups and, the, and all, all that good stuff, all the Kit Kats and everything. And then I'm going to go up to the top of one of those mega skyscrapers in, like, Dubai.
2: I was just there, the Burj Khalifa.
0: Yeah, Is that, that, that the still the biggest?
2: Yeah, it's the tallest in the world, yeah.
0: Okay, good. Then I'm glad that I was right about Because I'm like, Empire State Building, I don't think even like no. rates. anymore. So you go to <laughs> one of those big ones. Oh, no. Nice. And you, <laughs> you throw yourself off and make yourself a living pinata for all the kids <laughs> below. So it's like, yeah, it's kind of tragic, but you made a whole city full of kids happy. Yeah. It's I like hope uh, you said earlier. You
3: got chocolate in my peanut butter, but it's like you got Steven's guts in my Reese's. Right? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Editing, do it at Disney World. Oh.
2: I was going to say this could go really interesting because I was there for like the first day of Ramadan where everyone's fasting throughout the whole day. So like with your your luck of this situation, you'd go flying, you'd distribute all this candy and all the children would get in really big trouble for eating it.
1: Really upset, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Forbidden pinata.
3: (laughs) (laughs) I remember that Simpsons episode. (laughs) Forbidden donut oh my goodness well that was a lot of fun guys thank you very much um i appreciate you coming down and giving us some tips on collaborations thank you for joining us and uh i guess we're gonna see everybody next time maybe we'll get some more collaborators on here thank you again guys appreciate it thanks Thanks for having us.
0: us
2: thanks guys